Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. I hope that you're enjoying, uh, well, it was, it was pretty nice this week. There was a lot, plenty of sunshine, a little sprinkling of rain yesterday, but it is plenty green and it is one of the reasons that I, I love the weather in the lower mainland. I love a little bit of rain. I love the fact that it is green year-round. It is uh, exploding with life, and I, and I love that feeling that it even brings for us. Uh, this weekend, we had the opportunity to be part of hosting uh, the AGM for our denomination, the, the Evangelical Covenant Church in Canada. Here in the lower mainland, it happens annually, uh, as you would assume with an annual AGM. Uh, and uh, it was here locally, uh, just down in South Surrey. And so we have some friends here who are visiting from churches uh, across Canada. We're really excited to have them. And I've, I've asked uh, Jason Condon to, to come and to share just a little greeting from the denomination. Jason, you can come around on this side. There's a mic on the side stage. You can. You can. And I can give you this mic too. Um, and he's just going to give uh, a little word of, of encouragement uh, and, and greeting from the covenants. We're really excited to, to have him. So give him a, a round of applause as he comes to the stage. I should have followed your pastor's instructions. They were, they were better there. So as Jason said, um, in our family of churches, it's really important that we have a lot of Jasons, so we want to have extra. So my name is also uh, Jason Conan. I have the privilege of serving as the team leader for church planting across this uh, grand nation of Canada and its family of churches, and I've had a, the privilege to work with your pastor uh, for, for a while now, and so good to be with you. So I do bring greetings from, from as I represent in some small, uh, kind of funny way, uh, those other churches who, in this rich history of, of decades and decades of God's work across Canada, are, you are part of the ongoing heritage and inheritance and then paying it forward of their investment across uh, this nation. So they're praying for you, they're investing in you, they're proud of you, and you get to keep doing that. So uh, wonderful to be here with you. I was here uh, last November. And uh, if you don't recognize me, that may be because you're new or because i you know, not very recognizable. I don't know. It is encouraging to see the continued growth and impact. Of course, Jason, I get to talk a lot. Your pastor, Jason. Sorry, I should call him Pastor Jason in this role. Uh, and you can call me Bishop, and that'll even it all out. No, let's not do that. That is not my vibe. Uh, so your pastor, Jason, and I get to do a lot of stuff together uh, and work on things uh, so I get to hear the ongoing reports of the life change, the impact that you guys are having as a community. But also, with those several months in between, when I show up and see there's new people, there's life, there's vitality, uh, that is encouraging. You're fulfilling God's mission. Uh, good stuff. And for those who call us their church home, thank you for being part of it, for investing in this. For those like myself, I did not grow up in a church or even a family that faked it. Like I was raised, and you may not know this, but I'm not Canadian. I almost was. I was born like a half hour from the New Brunswick border, but border dispute would have gone a different way. I would have been fully one of you. Uh, but I was raised just kind of American heathen. Um, 
which is, which is a thing. Uh, so I know what it's like to be someone coming into a space where you're curious, you're skeptical, you're exploring. And so good on you for doing that. And again, back to those who call us your church, thank you for inviting and welcoming and being a, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, literally, figuratively, spiritually, that makes that happen. Uh, and I just want to say thank you as well, because even though you're a newer church that's barely underway, especially if you take out like COVID math, you know, are you five, are you two, are you, you know, traumatized, are you, uh, you know, all those things are true, wonderful to be on the other side of so much of that, uh, you are also investing by way of lending out your, your pastor in some ways by what you're doing here, but Jason and I get to work together, and you as a church, through your pastor, but also in some things you're going to be hosting whether I'm giving this away or not, are helping with some leadership development things with an internship program that we are rolling out across the Canada Covenant uh, that your pastor has been spearheading, working with me and another, uh, another one of our team on the Canada Covenant church planning team, uh, Sarah Cowan-Johnson, putting together ways to see those who are exploring their calling, whether it's into industry or ministry or academia or whatever, but they're figuring that out and they feel like God's calling them to something they want to experience, Thank you that you're letting your pastor invest in that, but also, am I giving it away a little bit? Good, good. You're going to be piloting it. So whichever one or two of you are doing that, you get to be the uh, test subjects, the guinea pigs. Thank you for that. Then we'll figure out what went wrong. We'll do it better for everyone else. Um, and so thank you for that. Um, but it's good to be with you, and it's always, uh, it's always a joy to be in church planting settings. It's uh, what God called me to over the years uh, as a church planter myself two or three or four times, depending how you do the math, and then this last decade and a half or so, being in the role of seeing women and men called to starting new churches and being able to invest in them, encourage them, resource them and their leaders and their teams and their church bodies. So thanks for having me here. Thanks for being who you are. Thanks for listening and following Jesus Calling. Amen. Wonderful. Let's give it up for Jason. As he going to open up with a reading from Acts chapter 4 this morning. Uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 4, 1 to 21, and then verses 27 to 31. So uh, let's, let's dive on in. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. If you remember, we heard about the growth to 3,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem, and Anus, the high priest, was there, and so was Cephas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we are saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus, but since they had seen the man who had been healed and standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eye, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Jumping to verse 27, they're in the moment of prayer as a community, and they say, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. One of the most famous stories of courageous action from the American Revolution is found in the individual Paul Revere, but his was not the only story of boldness. In 1777, a 16-year-old girl by the name of Sybil Ludington leaped into action to warn local militia of a British attack nearby. With no one else able to go, Sybil would ride through nearly 40 miles to warn 400 militia that the British were coming. Paul Revere's ride was immortalized in the poem by Henry Longfellow, but Sybil's contribution was no less heroic and it was no less bold. Boldness is a consistent theme that we see within the book of Acts and dramatic, similar to the story of Sybil and perhaps even more so. They might have been driven by different convictions, yet I would say that boldness sparks inspiration in in a new way within us as we hear about it. It almost can feel silly, I would say, to reflect upon our perceived moments of boldness in light of stories like Sybil Ludington or in the book of Acts. These dramatic moments of history and of of our current realities that seem almost beyond our imaginations. I want to be clear on this before we really dive in though. Boldness is not graded on a scale of magnitude. Boldness is not defined by the fruit of the action or the recognition of the action, but simply the act itself. We ask the question, what is it to be bold, to be brave, to be courageous, to be fearless, to be daring? Therefore, boldness is for for everyone. There is that possibility for boldness that exists within each and every one of us. So wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, 
Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not sure about Jesus at all, the promise and the possibility of boldness in your reality is possible. That is an invitation just as relevant and meaningful for you as it is for someone that maybe made the decision to follow Jesus years ago. Boldness is to do that which is beyond the comfortable, beyond the expected. Something that is almost worthy of attention, not for the purpose of attention, but simply because it's jarring. It's, it's the language that we use around boldness. It's like I, you see a painting that was painted with, with bold colors. It, it captures your imagination. You notice it. There's Phrases around boldness that are common within our cultural vernacular. Fortune favors the bold uh, or, or Captain Kirk to boldly go where, where no man has gone before. I would say boldness, it, it holds a, a wide cultural acceptance. And in many ways, a boldness is just simply seen as being right. However, I don't think we have to look particularly far to see that boldness can be misdirected. In what is likely the most well-known parable from, from Jesus, one that Charles Dickens calls the greatest story ever told, we see the story of, of a son who grows unsettled in his current reality and he demands the inheritance of his still living father and he, he runs off and he throws it all away and he finds himself hungry and demeaned down to the point where he's sharing food with livestock and he hits rock bottom and makes the decision that I'm, now I'm going to make my way back home and maybe I'll be accepted as even just a servant. And in the distance, his father sees him and he runs to him and he hugs him and he invites him in, back into his home and he, he goes as far as the throwing a, a celebration and, and it's this wonderful moment. But there was a misdirected boldness even within that story itself. In many ways, culture would simply celebrate boldness that follows the heart. And this is problematic in so many aspects. But what we often do in our cultural understanding of values like boldness is that we oversimplify them and they lack nuance. Culture treats boldness with a simple equation. It equates a singular result from an action. Simply, boldness is good. But reality seems to say otherwise. More often, we would be more likely to see that boldness can be empowered by that which is wrong. Boldness can be empowered by, by ego, by ambition, by stubbornness, by pain, by pride, by lust, by greed, rather than what we see here in Acts chapter 4, that boldness is powered and empowered by something quite different, and that is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is empowering the apostles to be, to be bold, to do the miraculous, to serve others. In fact, that is the the line that we often find between boldness and foolishness. To whom does my action seek to serve? And here's the thing, the Spirit moves us towards boldness and boldness is costly. Those words in verses 29 through 31, 
where they were recognizing the, the danger that they were going to encounter when the spirit emboldened boldness in their lives came to fruition. When the actions of their witness were going to take place in the city around them, they said, spirit, would you fill us up again? Would we be empowered to live in that way? Let not our motivations which are tainted by the reality of our humanity be the driving force of our boldness, but let it be your spirit. Because here's the thing, boldness always comes at a personal cost. We have been talking about the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we are to be empowered by the Spirit, we also need to recognize what it is empowering us towards. Boldness comes at a real cost of pride, of ego, of comfort, of security. And it comes at a relational cost as well. Rejection, persecution, ridicule. These are all different aspects that boldness can lead us towards. And in many ways, the book of Acts is a series of profiles of people who live a bold life at an incredible cost. Individual lives empowered by the Spirit as sacrifices to God. And I, and I think we know this. I don't think I'm saying anything that is beyond your, your baseline understanding when we read a text like this. And I think we often approach boldness as a really great idea in practice, but a bad idea for me. There is an incredible cost to Jesus' commission to be witnesses. My church shall be my witness. Because it's not just in a safe way, in a safe world. So instinctively, we, we, we celebrate fruits of boldness. Because we, we see the goodness that comes out of those moments. But the fact that we are able to celebrate those fruits of boldness, but yet don't live into them, leaves a, a gaping question in between. We see the fruits of boldness and we see how it can be transformative and yet we're hesitant to live in that way. The call to followers of Jesus was and remains a call to boldness. Charles Stanley says, his voice leads us not into timid discipleship but into bold witness. The early church seemed to get it. But where has it gone for us? Is the Spirit of God that fell upon the disciples in the upper room different than the Spirit of God that lives within us today? No. We believe that the Spirit is and always will be the same. Therefore, the, the power, the authority, the boldness that it is meant to produce within us is also the same. The Spirit of God that resides within you is not simply meant to be passive. In reality, the Spirit of God is catalytic in nature. In all of the metaphors around the Spirit in the New Testament we, and in the Old Testament, we see that it's, it's kinetic in nature. It's moving, it's powerful, it's shifting. And we've discussed some of those already, but I say this because if we truly place our trust in Jesus and are filled with His Spirit, then that kind of power that resides within us should most certainly lead to a life of boldness. So if this is the truth of the Spirit, 
then we're left again with that question, where has it gone for us? The book of Acts is the spirit coming alive in the followers of Jesus. And for those in the room who have made that decision to trust Jesus, to place your, your trust and your hope and your faith and your life in, in Jesus, you should fall into that same category. We should fall into that same category. Boldness should be a distinctive of our witness. And in so many ways, I long for that to be my life. I long for that to be our community. That the prayer that they prayed for boldness in Acts chapter 4, that in turn the Spirit would pour out in our lives. That God's grace would so powerfully be at work in all of us. That we would see the outpouring of, of signs and wonders as in the days of the disciples. That it would be more than just a nice idea when it came to faith. That the Spirit is meant to actually be in and in the midst of all that we do. Theologian Mike, Michael Green says that the greatest characteristic of the New Testament church is that it consisted of men and women who had received a living experience of the Spirit in their own lives. This is what had turned the company of those first disciples from a group of uneducated, disappointed folks whose leader had died, risen, and left them into a movement. And, and they knew this, and it, it didn't stay there. The, the opposition recognized it as well. The priests and the, the Sanhedrin they note the fact that these guys, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, but look what's taking place. The ordinary people filled with the Spirit of Jesus doing the stuff of Jesus. Gordon Fee, he calls it the Spirit of, is God's empowering presence. Now, if we were to turn to the last page of Acts, we would see that it has no ending. Because the story is still being written. It's because the acts recorded in the church's first few decades kept going after Luke stopped writing them down. We're living in that era right now. 1 John 2 verse 20 says, You have an anointing from the Holy One. When you made that decision to place your trust in Jesus, you have been anointed with the Spirit to continue the very ministry of Jesus. So this is our truth. This is our reality. This is the story that we see in the book of Acts that continues in our modern day. And we're faced with the question, why aren't we stepping into that now? And I think there are clear barriers to boldness that exist within our lives in our modern day. This morning, I want to quickly name six barriers of boldness. And not all of them are going to be for you. But I believe that the Spirit will identify one or two of them for each of us. The first barrier that I see that we face in actually living into the boldness of the Spirit is one of apathy. In many ways, we're, we're afraid of actually living into the power of the Spirit because that would force us out of our comfort zone. Apathy can, can be this gateway to hypocrisy in many ways. We see the fruits of the Spirit. We celebrate it. We think, oh, they're so great. I would love to see that take place. And then an opportunity is presented. And then we say, I don't want to be stretched outside of what is comfortable. I don't want to go outside of the status quo of my everyday. 
Those are great things worth celebrating, yes, but they're not just great things worth celebrating. They're great things worth replicating. They're great things worth living into. They're great things to also desire and to search for in our own stories. The actions of the, of the apostles have an urgency that we lack. There is a hunger and longing for the Spirit within them to do what they saw in the life of Jesus. And that longing can be hard to see in our Western reality of comfort and everything at our fingertips. And you got an Uber Eats coupon that's 20% off. So it's way easier to sit on your couch at home and order food than go outside and engage with people because you had a long day and we live busy lives and we have busy existences. And then pretty soon our life is so full of everything else that we have no space to even consider the possibility of boldness because we're not aware of the invitations of the spirit around us. If there is anything that our Western reality has done, it has created unending noise that has prevented us from actually pausing to listen. The empowering presence of God within us is not simply the ability to do it, but also the inv invitation to see it. We're so busy. We're so busy with all the things that we do and then when it comes to our faith, apathy slides on in and it might simply because of exhaustion. I'm in the same boat every single day finding myself asking the question, have I actually listened to what the Spirit is inviting me into today? And then we come to church on Sundays. And the reality is consumer church is not a big box experience. It's not a mega church experience. Consumer Christianity is simply choosing to follow Jesus in the way that makes you the most comfortable. And this is, this is a byproduct of the apathy in our lives. I'm going to choose comfort and comfort and security and safety again and again and again. It's at my fingertips and it's a barrier to boldness within our lives. Boldness isn't pouring out of our lives because we aren't living with the desire for something that is beyond what we have control and comfort in. I want you to think of it this way. Soldiers living in barracks during peacetime behave differently than soldiers at war. The barracks create certain situations of, of comfort and provision in a way that a soldier at war would not have access to. If you're at war, you're unconcerned with the luxuries of the moment. You're in the middle of the fight. And I think one of the great tricks that the enemy has pulled on us as the Western church is that we have been convinced that what we're doing is living in the barracks during peacetime when the truth is that we are fighting for limited real estate in a kingdom conflict. A.W. Tozer said that Satan has opposed the doctrine of the spirit-filled life about as bitterly as any doctrine that there is. The church has tragically neglected this great liberating truth that there is now for every child of God. The spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe version of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. The first barrier to boldness is one of apathy. The second one is one of false disqualifications. 
I find it fascinating that in this text we see how they were wanting to disqualify both Peter and John simply because of what they knew about them. They knew them from the place that they were and the things that they did and perhaps even the interactions that they had and they were so quick to disqualify them for that purpose alone. If you're here this morning and uh, faith is a new conversation for you that you have engaged maybe for the first time or first time in a long time, there can be a sense sometimes in our stories that we, do not, we don't have the qualifications to actually operate in the life of boldness that we're invited into. We think that we have to be more learned, we have to be more read, we have to be more well thought out and more, more charismatic and have a better language around it in order to be bold about our faith. But boldness is not about saying the perfect thing. Boldness is about finding the ways in which the Spirit invites us to live like Jesus around us. If, if you're waiting for that moment to have it all perfectly thought through before boldness becomes part of your story, let me tell you, the moment is now. The Spirit is alive and at work in your story right now. And the invitation is, He's with you. It's not waiting for the perfect moment to make it all come together. It is a lie from the enemy that wants to disqualify you from feeling capable to speak with boldness in the way that the Spirit wants to do so. Your voice is of value. Hear me, your voice is needed. The church needs your voice. Your community needs your voice. Our cities need your voice. The spirit within you is a unique, powerful movement of God that our world needs. Do not let a false disqualification stymie it. The other false disqualification that we can face is, is one of, of previous experience, is one of shame. And you need to know that God's pursuit of humanity laid throughout the biblical narrative is built on humanity missing the mark. Romans 8 says bluntly that he who did not spare his own son but gave himself up for us, will he not freely give us all things? Your past failures, your past mistakes, your past regrets are not disqualifiers. In fact, they might just sit as seeds of doubt that Jesus wants to uproot today so that you might flourish and be released. He's planting something new in you this morning. There are barriers for our boldness that are false disqualifications that need to be identified and pushed through. Jesus is not afraid of empowering those who feel disqualified. If anything, He's wary against putting authority in the hands of those who have bought the illusion that they're qualified. Boldness is born from brokenness. The third piece, uh, the third barrier that I would like to speak on is experiential gridlock. The story that we see in the book of Acts is, is in a massive experience for, for the people who had made a decision to follow Jesus. And for, for many of us, I think we've encountered maybe experiences within the church, experiences in relationship, experiences within our faith that have put us to the place of I'm going to go no farther of even considering what that experience could look like. It has made us uncomfortable and in many times, in many situations, it has been wrong. And I'm so sorry for that. 
But part of being human is actually living life. And no wonder the fact that there can be a dissonance between our faith and our reality when there is no experiential element to it. It's good to think things through. I love to have meaningful conversations and and to have questions brought before us. But if our faith is purely within our head and there's nothing that is applicable or at, at work within our stories, it will quickly fall away. There's sometimes, for some of us, we've had this, this gridlock of experience and we don't know how to get out of it. We don't, want, we don't want to have another bad experience. And I'm telling you that if, if you want your faith to become more than just a good idea, we have to reopen ourselves to the possibility of the experience of the Spirit in our lives. The fourth barrier that we face is is one of unrepentant sin. And this language can be really jarring. First of all, when we talk about repentance, I think repentance in some of our backgrounds or some of our previous experience has been something meant to spark shame and guilt. Know this, in the language of Jesus, in the way of Jesus, that is never the posture, that is never the approach, that is never the desire. In fact, repentance is the words of Jesus, but we've treated it differently than the way of Jesus. Repentance is meant to to discover that which is holding us back from the flourishing life that he has designed and desired for you. Repentance is an invitation to turn away from that which is harmful and to turn towards that which is healing. So there are barriers within our story that are unrepentant areas, unrepentant sin that are simply that which God wants to identify so he can move it to the side, so he can move it out of the way from you moving forward into the boldness of the spirit that he desires for you. This could, be, this could be sin of omission, things that you should be doing and that you aren't. And it could be sins of action, things that you are doing and you shouldn't be. Whatever it is, I'm not here to pour guilt and shame upon anyone. What I would love to do, though, is create a space where you are inviting the Spirit. What is in my life as a barrier preventing me from living into the Spirit in the way that you desire me to? Know that the Spirit of God is part of your story for the flourishing of your life. The fifth barrier is one of lost expectation. The fact is that many of us, to the extent of our spiritual life, just, we just show up on a Sunday and we hope that there's a better than average sermon that doesn't go too long. Sorry about this morning. When the living God is longing with every fiber of his holy being to encounter you here and every other day, there is a disconnect. We have lost an expectation for experiencing God. We don't look around us and we don't participate with the Spirit. And often for great reasons. Hurt, disappointment, maybe cruel words that have been spoken, maybe a traumatic religious or spiritual experience. Something has happened within the context of your faith that has made you feel as if I should hold no expectation, therefore I won't get hurt. But I've heard it said that expectation is often the breeding ground of miracles. 
when hope is present, we can discover and see how Christ is at work and wants to be at work in our stories. The experience of Peter and John is just one illustration. They, they entered with expectation and God met them in the midst of their expectation. And here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit involves risk and wonder and mystery and sometimes disappointment. And it means that we have a faith that's resilient enough to keep asking even when we're experiencing silence. And even when we don't understand what it looks like or what it means, we need to resist the human urge to let our disappointments define our whole faith. You and I have been woven into God's family by the Spirit. When I enter into a space and I hold no expectation, that is often the experience that I have. God is generous and the Spirit is at work. And there are many moments that take place outside of my expectation. But how much more powerful would the faith lives that we live be if we entered into rooms and conversations and communities and workplaces and church gatherings with an expectation that we would meet the, the living God. Each and every time. Not just when the synth is playing. That it would be more than just that which we're comfortable with. But something that we would expect. Worship team, you can join me at the front. The, the final barrier is, is one of self-absorption. I think we all know that fear of others are barriers to boldness. What they're going to say, what they're going to think, th those can be barriers to boldness. But ultimately what feeds that feeling is this self-absorption that we can fall prey to. And what happens is that the fear of others actually becomes a fear of suffering. We've said it this morning, that following Jesus comes at a cost. So we can become more concerned about ourselves and our own safety, and we can skip over moments that could be difficult, conversations that could be hard, simply because we are so focused on ourselves. And this just isn't Christ-like. This isn't living empowered by the Spirit. Because ultimately, our self-absorption lacks compassion. Compassion turns our attention outward and it moves us to get out of ourselves, to care more about the person beside us than simply just us. And maybe some of you would liken yourselves as someone who speaks boldly, who speaks your mind. You would call yourself a truth teller. Well, I wonder if we need to even evaluate the boldness of those spaces. Because when self-absorption is a barrier in our lives, telling the truth looks different. We get truth-tellers who are bold, but they're more addicted to the feeling of telling the truth than the transformation that the truth can bring. There's no care, there's no kindness, there's no grace. Truth that doesn't tell the story of Jesus is truth for my sake, not theirs. And this just isn't the story we see in the book of Acts. What do we see with Peter and John? They walk into a place of expectation. 
They're empowered by the Spirit. They see the opportunity before them and they, they speak with the authority that's given to them by the power of Jesus. And they begin to live like Jesus with signs and wonders and generosity in their spirits that they might show who Jesus is by simply being like the one who empowered them. Let's not get lost in the cultural language of boldness that makes all things permissible, but let us look to the one who shows us what boldness really is and live from that authority, live from that power, live by that spirit. Maybe one of the barriers stuck out to you this morning. You can put all six on the screen again. Apathy, false disqualifications, maybe an experiential gridlock, unrepentant sin, lost expectations, self-absorption. Maybe one of those sticks out. And it's in the way. It's in the way for you living into the boldness that you, you actually want to live into. It's resisting the experience of the Spirit's anointing. I wonder if you see yourself anywhere in there. And maybe there's, maybe there's a, a final one that we have to name to this morning. And it's that we don't see God as, as worth our trust. And we go back to the story of the prodigal son. And that's not how we see God. But the picture of God given to us in that story is one waiting in the distance, running to those who would even turn towards him, greeting him with a hug, with a, with a generous spirit and throwing a party. But if you've read that story, I've, I've, I haven't mentioned a key element of it this morning. That he doesn't just run towards him. He doesn't just throw a party for him, but he gives him gifts. A ring and a robe and sandals. And these aren't just gifts of, of nice, nice pieces to add to his wardrobe. These are gifts which signify authority. They signify that he is an heir to the estate not just welcome in the home, but one who holds authority. And this is the gift of the Spirit to you and to I. That when we turn towards the Father, one of unending love, and we might face the barriers in our life, we are given the opportunity to receive a gift. Would you stand to your feet with me? Boldness is living out of a gift, and it's the gift of the Spirit. And I think a threat that lingers for our church, and for churches in our, in our city, is that we would live in the land of our Father and perhaps enjoy unmerited forgiveness, but we would never open the doors of the estate to clothe ourselves with the gifts that have been given to us. The threat is that we would be people of forgiveness without authority. That we would just sit on the other side of the barrier of boldness, content and comfortable and not the true witness that we're invited to be. Listen to me, City Collective, there's more. 
you're home, you're forgiven, you're clean, you're renewed, you're free. It really is that good and there's more. There's, there's power, there's authority, there's miracles, there's grace, not only for you, but through you. There's faith and healing and salvation and justice and hope and a kingdom that has no end, that breaks through when you least expect it. There's more. It's more for every single one of us. So what's in the way? Maybe one of those barriers really resonated and that you can see how it's in the way. And we're going to pray, Holy Spirit, would you break on through? Maybe even for yourself right now, just to yourself. If there's one of those barriers that you would just name that for yourself. It stands in the way, may it be no more. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.